Well, this week I was thinking that there's uh, one sure sign that you may be getting older. I experienced it. It's when you're on Facebook and you have to ask somebody else what that emoticon or emoji people use means. I, I, I had that happen this week. I, I put a post on there uh, because my papa uh, in Ohio, you remember my, my mama, my grandma died six months ago. This week, uh, long story short, six months to the day after she passed, he went to be with the Lord. And uh, I posted about it on Facebook, just so you all know. Uh, I talked to my mom about it, and she said near the end, he was wondering with her at 97 years old, battling colon cancer. And then a week ago, he fell and broke his hip. And they said because of his heart, they couldn't operate. So they put him in hospice. And one of the last conversations my mom had with him was, he said, I don't know why I'm still here. I know where I want to be. And so he went to be with the Lord this week. And I posted about it on Facebook. And, and people, a bunch of people put this emoji. Now, it makes a lot more sense as to what it is when it's large. When that emoji is small, I always thought it was somebody going like this, like maybe thinking about maybe they don't understand what I wrote or what does that mean. So I had to ask Carolyn, I said, what does that emoticon mean that people keep putting on there? And she said, oh, that's the, the one that means they care. And when I enlarged it this morning, I'm like, oh, that's a heart. Okay, that makes sense. People care. Why am I showing you the caring emoticon this morning? Because we're going to see Paul's heart this morning, that he cares very much for the Galatians. You may have wondered that because up till now, he's been very much logical. All these logical arguments. Today, you're going to see his love for, the, for these folks in Galatia. You know, if we've been hearing from his head, today you're going to hear his heart. That he really cares about these people dearly. And as we look at his care for them, I want to talk to you about the three G's of Christian living. Three G's that Paul walked in and modeled that we should be walking in today. I know the 3G cellular network is antiquated and obsolete, but the three G's I'm talking about are imperative upon believers in Jesus Christ. And those three G's that we're going to see here, as you hear Paul's heart, is the going, going and sharing the good news of Jesus with the lost folks we know, guarding the truth that has been deposited to us and then groaning that, that Christ might be formed in those we disciple and in our own life. So going, guarding, and groaning. Let's start with the go. If you have your Bibles, Galatians 4, verse 12. Going. We must share the gospel, and not just the gospel, but our lives with the lost people that we know. Verse 12, he says, Brothers, I entreat you. That word could be translated beg. Brothers, I, I, I beg you, listen to what I'm about to say. He says, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. Well, that's a complicated uh, little phrase there. In fact, when we were talking about it in the first service, my phone, Siri said, I don't understand my phone was listening 
and everybody started laughing. I said, well, Siri, we're about to try to uh, explain it. So hopefully she'll be quiet this service. What does he mean when he says, I beg you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. Well, think about the, the life of the Apostle Paul. He grew up under the law of Moses, right? And he lived under that burden more than most as a Pharisee, right? That's how he grew up. But then he came to realize what? What have we seen? That salvation is not by being under the law. It's by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. So in that sense, he had become like the Gentile Galatians. He was no longer under the law. He's saying, I became as you are. Now, now become as I am. In other words, hey, you didn't even grow up under the law. Why are you going the opposite direction? I also have become as you are. Now that ties in right with the going that we're talking about because Paul had a philosophy of ministry from God that he would do everything short of sin to connect with the lost people he wanted to share the gospel with relationally. One of my good friends says it this way, that relationships are the truth upon which the gospel travels. That's why I said we're not called just to go and share the gospel. We're called to share our lives. I want you to hear his philosophy for yourself. It, it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Listen to what he said, verse 20. To the Jews, I became as a Jew. Why? In order to win Jews. Win them what? Win them to Christ. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not my, being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. Okay, now what's the flip side? What we've seen with him in Galatia, verse 21, to those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ. Why? That I might win those outside the law. I want to break this down. There was, there's a quote I read this week that I think sums it up well. It said this, In seeking to win other people for Christ, our end is to make them like us. Now, if you're like me, you pause there and you know your warts and your flaws and you say, oh, oh. what this author means is to make them like us and that we believe in Christ. Okay, so go with that understanding. In seeking to win other people for Christ, our end is to make them like us while the means to that end is to make ourselves like them. If they are to become one with us in Christian conviction and experience, we must first become one with them in Christian compassion. Do you get it? You get it? Paul would do anything short of sin to build a relationship with those that he wanted to share the gospel with. And, and that call is upon you and I as well. It may require us to take a look at our schedule and ask ourselves a question. Do I spend any time with lost folks? Or is all my time alone or with other Christians? Maybe you say, I do spend time with lost folks. In that case, maybe what we need to do is say, are my eyes open to why I'm there with those lost folks? To build this relationship upon which the good news of Jesus can travel. We know from his writing to Galatia that Paul would die before he allowed anyone to preach to these Gentiles that they had to be under the law and be circumcised to be saved. But I want to show you the flip side of Paul. 
because Paul also loved the Jews. This man who preached adamantly that you don't have to be circumcised to be saved. Do you know what he did one time when he was going to witness to the Jews? He had a young man named Timothy whose mother was Jewish and whose father was Greek. And Paul wanted to preach to the Jews. And he knew that if Timothy wasn't circumcised, that would be a wall right from the get-go. He wouldn't be able to speak with these, these Jews. So you know what he did? Acts 16.3. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. And he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places. For they all knew that Timothy's father was a Greek. The same Paul that would die before anyone told these Galatians, you have to be circumcised to be saved. What's he do here? He sacrifices Timothy's freedom to not be circumcised to help open a conversation with the Jews that he was going to. You say, how do I know which way to go in moments like that? In these, these gray moments. Well, there's a couple questions you could ask. One, which decision is better for the sake of the gospel? And second, which decision is better for those I'm about to minister to? And you see what both of those have in common? It's not about me. It's, it's not about me. Thirdly, thank God we have the Holy Spirit to lead us in moments like that. Those who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. You get in a confusing situation, ask Him to lead you. But the bottom line is, are we, are we as Christians willing to share our lives, our time, with the lost folks in our world? 1 Thessalonians 2.8, Paul says, this is what they did in Thessalonica. He says, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. You see what he's saying? Discipleship in the Christian walk is not just information. It's relationship. It is life on life with those lost folks we're, we're called to reach. So you say, how do we keep the balance? Because I can see there's, there's risks, like, right? Well, I thought of three C words. The first one is one you don't want to be. You don't want to be a chameleon. Right? You don't want to be someone who just blends in with the sins of our culture in order to build relationships with folks. That's why I said Paul did everything short of sin. Okay, This doesn't mean caving on biblical convictions about sin. Don't be a cultural chameleon. But at the other extreme, we don't want to be curmudgeons. What do you think of when you hear of a curmudgeon? I think of a grump, I think maybe even of a, a hermit, someone who hunkers down. And there are two kinds of curmudgeons in the Christian world. And it's tempting because what? This world's getting darker. It's getting more complex in some ways as we look at some of the things happening. And you know what Paul said? The, the love of many in the last days will grow cold. And I was talking with a brother last week how that's even tempting for us as Christians sometimes. I've had it. I'm not loving anybody today. I'm just going to hunker down in my house. Or there's, there's sometimes groups of curmudgeons in the Christian world. That's what the church can become if we, if we stay in here and, and forget. We're not called just to come here and be together with other Christians and just be in Christian groups all week. We're called to be salt and light to the lost. So don't be a chameleon. Don't be a curmudgeon. What should we be? 
It's what we are if we believe in Jesus. I am a Christian, one who lives like Christ. Think of the perfect balance in the life of Christ, the holy Son of God, the friend of sinners, right? Full of grace and truth. Don't be a chameleon. Don't be a curmudgeon. Be like what you are, believer. You're a Christian. Then he starts to think about when he first went there. We talk about going. Paul had gone to Galatia and preached the gospel. And he's, he's going to, if you ever think about the good old days in your life, that, that period you like to go back to, he's going to think about the good old days with the Galatians back when he first went there. Verse 12, he says, You did me no wrong. You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. We don't know exactly what that bodily ailment is. We're going to talk about some possibilities. But whatever the case, this bodily ailment required him to set up camp there in Galatia for a while. And while he was there under that bodily ailment, he preached the gospel to them. In verse 14, he says, Though my condition was a trial to you, evidently there were needs he had with this medical condition that that were a burden on other folks to to help him with. Though that was the case, he said, you did not scorn or despise me. That means there, there may have been something about whatever he was battling that could tempt people to look at him in disgust, like, ew, I don't want to be near that. That's, those are some of the ideas of scorn and despise, to, to spit on someone, the Greek actually means. But you didn't scorn me. You didn't despise me. He says, you received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. He's thinking back to their, their gracious reception of him. Wow, how wonderful it was. You and I were on the same page, and you welcomed me with open arms. You, you loved me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. But now something had changed. He's going to skip back to the present with the Galatians. Verse 15, he says, What then has become of your blessedness? What, what changed? He was so blessed the first time we were together. Now there's this wall between us. He goes back to the good old days. He says, I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Now, that could just be hyperbolic language. He could just be saying, hey, eyes are very valuable. Probably one of the most valuable parts you have in your body, right? And you love me so much that hyperbolically, you would have given me your eyes to help me. But some think it may even mean more, that his health condition was related to his eyes. Some think Paul may have had something like ophthalmia. That's a fun word to say. I researched that a little bit this week. Eyes water, they're red, they swell. And you remember what I said about verse 14, you did not scorn or despise me? If it was ophthalmia, I'm going to show you some pictures as to why that would have been a temptation. I just Googled ophthalmia. That's what it can do to the human eye. We don't know for sure if that's what it was, but one reason I suspect something was going on with his eyes is in Galatians 6.11, he says to them, See, 
with what large letters I am writing to you. I may believe the reason he wrote with large letters is because his vision was compromised by whatever was going on. But whatever the case, they didn't despise him. They didn't scorn him. They, they welcomed him. I think there's a, a small sub-point here to be talked about. Our world is obsessed with physical appearance. Obsessed with physical appearance. And I think about that with spiritual leaders, and I, I think about it like this. Whether you're on the traditional side where you prefer the pastor wears a suit coat, or the ultra-modern side where you prefer the pastor wears the skinny jeans, you know what's really more important than either of those? Does the pastor preach the truth of God's word? These people look deeper. They saw he preached the gospel and they, they welcomed him. But what about now? Verse 16. He said, have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? See, they, they welcomed him as long as they liked what he had to share. But right now, as he spoke against these false teachers, they didn't like what he had to share. So they view him as an enemy. What had changed? Had God changed? No, God doesn't change. Had the good news of the gospel changed? No. Had Paul changed? No. The Galatians had changed. How and why? They had welcomed false teachers, listened to their teaching, and digested it into their lives. That is what had changed. And that leads to the second G. The first one was go. The second one is guard. We must protect the truth of the gospel in our homes and our churches. I think of what Paul told young Timothy, 1 Timothy 6.20. He said, oh, Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Why, why do you have to guard something? Because it's under assault. Guard the deposit entrusted to you. I like what he goes on to because it summarizes a lot of what we hear in the world today. He says, avoid the irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. What a pungent phrase. For by professing it, some have swerved from the faith. Guard, we must protect the truth of the gospel in our homes, in our churches. It is under assault. I think about this, and I think about something I saw in our backyard. Several years ago, we were at a small group that we hosted at our house, and one of the, the guys in the small group said, hey, have you ever thought about putting a hot tub back here? And I said, yeah, but you're kind of pricey. He said, well, we got one you could have. What do you think? That's not one of those decisions that you pray about. <laughs> right? I was like, yes, <laughs> thank you, thank you. But those hot tubs, they have something on top, the hot tub cover, right? If you have one, you know what I'm talking about. It's leather. After four or five years in the Arizona sun, what happens? You start to get these tiny little cracks in that cover. And you say, what's the big deal with the crack? Well, it's not just the crack. It's, it's what does the crack let in? Because what happens during monsoon season in those tiny little cracks? 
the rain comes and just underneath that cracked leather cover, you know what there is? There's a foam cushion inside that, that cover. And after a day or two of rain, you go to push that cover open. Guess what? It weighs about 100 or 150 pounds. You've got to go get a new hot tub cover. It's not just the crack. It's what does the crack let in? And I want us to think about that. They, there can be cracks in our lives through which the truth of the gospel is assaulted. And it's not just the size of the crack. It's what does it allow into our homes and our churches? You say, where, where do we need to be aware of the cracks? Well, the first one is just how does a fish get wet? It just lives where it is. We, we live in a sinful world. Just by living here, you need to be aware of the culture around you. It comes in many, many ways. This is not evil. This is not evil. But much evil can flow in through here in our televisions, in our, in our radios, in our conversation with others. The culture, beware of the crack. Do not be conformed to the image of this world. He would love to squeeze you into his mold. Satan would. But be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. Spend time in God's word. The culture. Sometimes we see it in college. Someone grows up in the church, hears the truth of God's word, and goes away to a college with an anti-biblical basis. And that young person assumes because that professor is well-paid, well-respected, and has a high position that he must know what he's talking about. That person who grew up in the church, their beliefs have come under assault. Now, it doesn't have to be that way. Carolyn and I spent time at both a secular college and a Christian college, a community college and Moody Bible Institute. I, I believe I grew more during my time at that community college than I did at Moody, even though I love Moody. Why? Because things were under assault, and, it, and, and you begin to dive into God's word for yourself. And what does it say? Is this true? And there was a group of Christians there that we fellowship with in Campus Crusade for Christ. And together with those fellow soldiers, we, we ask God to help us shine our light on that campus. It doesn't have to be that way, but watch out for that one. Cults are another one. Many times cults don't, don't grab people from scratch and win converts. They, they take them from Bible teaching churches. Beware the cults. The last one is one that ought to break all of our hearts. It is compromised churches that claim the name of Jesus Christ, but have let go of God's word. Watch out for this one. We were talking about this as elders on, on Monday when Jesus cleared the temple. His zeal was so hot for the holiness of that place that his disciples remembered a verse that predicted him. Zeal for your house has consumed me. And we talked about how Jesus still has zeal for the holiness of his house. But what is his house today? We are living stones being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Believers are his house. And what's the temptation? Well, we look, the world has taken a thousand steps that way. So it's not a big deal if the church takes 20 steps that way. Guess what? The comparing factor should not be how far the world has gone. It should be God's word. 20 steps is not okay. 
Beware the compromised church that has let go of the word of God. Maybe you rejoiced with us when you heard on Monday that there were some churches in Georgia that looked at the false teaching in their denomination and said, we're checking out. We're taking God's word over what this denomination teaches. Praise God. Praise God. And I heard that some of those churches are facing financial difficulty because they pulled out of the denomination. I thought, how wonderful would it be if other churches came alongside them and said, let's help support them because they stood with God. We'll stand with them. Culture, college, cults, compromised churches. Those are just some of the cracks to watch out for. I want to talk to you about a cycle too to watch out for. Wrong belief leads to wrong living, which leads to an appetite for more wrong teaching. It's a, it's a vicious cycle. You doubt this? Listen to what Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4.3. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers, what? To suit their own passions. Rather than saying, what's the truth? I want to live by it. They're saying, what do I feel like? And I want to find somebody that affirms me in that. Beware. Paul goes on to tell them why they need to guard the truth. The motives of these false teachers were not good. Their motive was to make much of themselves. They, they saw the Galatians as a notch on their belt. Get some more followers and make us look good. Verse 17. Paul says, these false teachers, they, they make much of you. What, 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 they build you up? They butter you up? Oh, you'd be so spiritual if you follow us down this path. But for no good purpose. He says, they want to shut you out. That's another one of their wrong motives. And that's something you see in unhealthy relationships and in unhealthy spiritual relationships. Hallmark of some of the cults. Shut you out, what, from, from the people you know and love? From, from the church you know and love? Beware, someone wants to shut you out from the truth of the Bible, that you may make much of them, that you may build them up as their oh-so-mighty teacher. I think about it like this. Someone who loves those biscuits and gravy. I always save one for butter, Right? And I'll tell you, if you're a biscuit and I'm putting butter on you, that ain't good news for you. <laughs> you're about to get eaten. We need to remember that when, when folks come to us flattering us, speaking truths that sound good. Their motives may or may not be good. You think of the proverb about the wounds of a friend. How oh, the wise person would choose those over the kisses of an enemy. Their motive wasn't good. What was Paul's motive? It was not to make much of himself. It was to make much of Christ. And this leads to our third and final G, the groaning. We should pray for Christ to be formed in our own lives and in the lives of those we disciple, those we share him with. It's right here in verse 18. He says, it's always good to be made much of if it's for a good purpose. 
And not only when I'm present with you, my little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. That's where I get the groaning. Some of you know that groaning right before the baby comes, right? It's painful, but then there's this joy of the birth. That's how Paul saw it when he looked back on when he first went there. I, I was in anguish for you to come to Christ, and you did. But now I'm in anguish for you again because you, you're forgetting what I talked to you about, brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm in anguish until Christ is formed in you. And I think about him as just this picture of him as a loving spiritual parent. And I think about a mother with a, a child in her womb, a loving mother, the lengths she will go to to protect that baby. If she smokes, she'll set the cigarette aside. If she drinks alcohol, she'll set it aside. If she takes drugs, some of them even set that aside. And, and mind-blowingly enough, sometimes they even set aside coffee. Why? Because they, they want for nothing to, to interrupt the formation of that child. Paul looks at these, these believers who he wants to see Christ formed in them, and he sees this false teaching as a poison, and he's concerned. And that's why he says, come back. And he closes with this emotional sigh. He says, I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. You know how it's easier in person to share emotions. He wants them to know, I think, that he loves them, right? And maybe, maybe one guy suggested, maybe when he says, I'm perplexed about you, maybe you'd like to get there and ask him, like, what are, what are you thinking? Help me understand how you got from here to here so he could lead them out of it. But as we close this morning, I want to invite Aaron back up here. We talked about three G's. And these are G's, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, these need to come off the page of Scripture and into our lives. Okay, so we're going to close with a couple moments of prayer, one on each of these G's. Now I want you to talk with the Lord about them. The first one was what? Remember? First G? To go. To go. I'll put a prayer up here and then allow you to just take a few minutes with God. You follow His Spirit. This is only if it's helpful to you. Lord, may your missionary heart beat inside of us. Help us share the gospel and our lives with those who need you. I don't want to be a chameleon. I don't want to be a curmudgeon either. I am a Christian. Help me to live like Christ. Please lead me. Who could I share life with this week? And specifically, someone who doesn't yet know the Lord.
How about the guarding? If we spend a few minutes praying, Lord, help us in our homes, in our church, to guard the good deposit that you've given us. Please show me any cracks in my life that need sealed up. How about praying for a few minutes about the groan? Who do you groan for? Who do you know in your life that once held firmly to the truth, at least as far as you knew, but, but is now being led astray? Spend a few minutes praying for them that Christ would be fully formed in their lives. And then ask him to shine his light inside of us. Lord, show me what part of Christ you are presently working to form in me and, and help me lay down to surrender any sinful resistance to what you would like to do.
Father, I thank you for these words from Paul. I thank you for his example of Christ. And I pray that more and more, we in this church next door will be those who go. Lord, open our eyes to the opportunities all around us. Help us be willing to, to spend the time, the effort to look and ask and get to know or that the gospel might travel through those relationships. I think about the guarding and I, I can't help but think about how the best defense is a good offense. Walking with Jesus every day and in the spirit, staying in the word. Lord, help us to be people of the truth. We don't just say it or listen to it. People who live it and, and guard it. And Father, I know on that last one, these folks are like me. There's some people they love that came to mind. There's some heavy hearts in this room. Some we love being led astray by false teaching. Please bring them home. If they know you already, bring them back to the truth that they, they know. And if they don't, bring them, bring them home to Jesus, please. And help us by the Spirit to be those being formed more and more like Christ. We know it's a done deal in your mind. One day we're going to be glorified. Lord, just help us to get on board right now by your Spirit, by the power of the risen Christ within us. Show us where we need to be more like Christ today. What fruit am I lacking in? Please bear it in my life. Lord, I pray that even as we take our offering and close out this service today, that you'd help us as a church to use it for the furtherance of this good news that Paul fought so vigorously for what these Galatians he loved so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Desperate for you, yes, I surrender. Oh, treat my soul, it's mercy and grace. Unfold, I hunger and thirst. I hunger and thirst. 
With outstretched wide, I know you hear my cry. Speak to me now. Oh, speak to me now. Yes, I surrender. Oh, I surrender. And I want to know you more. I want to know you more. I surrender. Yes, I surrender. I want to know you more. I want to know you
I want to love you. Just a closing word as we go forth from here. I don't want you to go out of here with that list so much. Go, guard, and groan. While I want it in our minds, I think the key is in the last one. It's as Christ is fully formed in us that we will go, that we will guard the deposit, and that we will groan for those he puts in our lives. So one of the most urgent things we could do this week is pray, Lord, please form your son in my life by the power of the Holy Spirit. Abide in Him. Walk with Him and watch Him work through you. One second thing, not nearly as important, but uh, it applies nonetheless. We love fellowship here, and we encourage you to fellowship for 10, 15, 20 minutes, but maybe not much beyond that because we got to lock this place down and get over to the bowling alley. But if you'd like to fellowship with us there, go grab some lunch and then come over there around 1 o'clock. And even if you're not bowling, come, come hang out with us. Lord, thanks for this special morning. Pray that you'd bless our fellowship time as we prepare to bowl and help us be a light at Antelope Lanes as a church. In Jesus' name, amen.